Hello, everybody. Well, I promised a more practical episode on emotions, I thought I'd direct our time today toward how we become more aware, more aware of our emotions, more aware of the effects of our emotions, more aware of the messages behind our emotions, more aware of the options for responding to our emotions. Now, I don't think I get to all of these things. (laughs) I'm almost positive that I won't get to all of these things, but it's a start. So today is really just a beginning of becoming more aware. And I I don't make up all of these things, right? Daniel Goleman is kind of the the guru on emotional intelligence. And I, I don't dive too deeply into his stuff yet, although I probably should just from a professional perspective. But I typically land on and, and talk mostly about the first two pillars. He, he kind of defines five pillars of emotional intelligence. And I just keep coming back to the first two because I, I feel like we get stuck there. <laughs> we we have a hard time getting past the first two. And I think there's good reason for that. And part of it is because we really don't know what to do with emotions, but also we don't know why we go about um, trying to become aware and manage our emotions, right? So, so the first two pillars are self-awareness, and then the second is, is self-regulation, because um, we can't regulate what we're not aware of, right? I, I don't believe it's enough to simply be aware and then to regulate. The, the seeing self, right, to be aware of, to see what we're doing, the seeing self also has to be an accepting self or at least moving toward becoming an accepting self. I, I spent a lot of years um, aware of an ever-increasing list of the ways in which I felt felt I fell short. I fell short of whatever this ideal of myself was, right? Whatever I I I I thought was best, um, whatever that meant, even on a particular day. And most of the time, if I'm honest, it it meant what I thought others considered the my best or my ideal self there was this distant nebulous notion of what best was and i had been sent the message loud and clear over the years of experiencing life with others that i was dismally below that point <laughs> right and this my friends is is not the desire to know better and then do better right maya angelo says you know to know what when we know better we do better but this wanting to be our ideal self is not a desire to know better in order to do better this is honestly just the effects of shame right this is this is condemnation. It's the opposite of acceptance. Looking back from the perspective I sit in now, I can clearly see that that there was nothing I could have seen and known and shored up, right? Kind of uh, got made myself better in that that was going to satisfy that nagging ache in in my pit that said, you must improve, you are not, and for some reason, it's, my, my, my inner critic must have a German accent, you must improve, <laughs> I'm not sure, um, I think I have some German blood in me, and that's the angry German in me that, uh, 
that, that has that accent. You must improve. Self-awareness and self-regulation is not best driven by a desire for self-improvement. It's often packaged that way and sold that way, right? We see all the self-improvement books on the shelf, but I think that's more akin to shame, right? Remember what shame is. Shame is, is what tells us that something is fundamentally wrong with a person, so self-improvement at its core is, is a shame issue. Its main goal is to help us feel better about ourselves because we're doing things better. It is if our worth comes from our doing. On the flip side, we can think others need to improve themselves, but it's all the same, right? Improvement of a person is not a goal that I can get behind. I can't endorse it right? That that can't be, in my mind, the need for increasing self-awareness and self-regulation. And some of you might be thinking, oh, Lisa, you're just quibbling over semantics. <laughs> That's okay. I have heard that my whole life. And maybe on some level I am. But I no longer feel defensive about this because I think semantics are incredibly important. How we say a thing affects how we take it in, how we internalize it, and ultimately how our emotions respond when that particular file is opened up, right? Our bones kind of hold onto things and then something presses up against that file in our bones and there's an emotion that then kind of bubbles up to the surface, so I do think that how we say things to ourselves, how we hear things, has a has a strong um, correlation to how we feel about things. So I I I will argue semantics if if I must, uh, but I if I don't want to say right. So if my semantics say if I don't want to say that self regulation, self awareness are about self improvement, then what am I saying they're about? They they are about right. What motivates us? toward becoming or what's the better motivation towards becoming more aware and and shifting our our behavior, right? Because in my mind, it can't simply be to become a better person. I, I, yeah, that's, I can't get behind that. So let's, let's think about this. Why, why do we change anything, right? Why do we change a light bulb? Why, why do we change our underwear? (laughs) Because there's something fundamentally wrong with either one of them, with the light bulb or the underwear? No, we change a thing because something in the situation no longer works the way we want it to, right? Maybe we find ourselves stuck in the dark or attracting small rodents. (laughs) Something doesn't work for us the way we want it to. So we try something different. That is the real impetus in my mind for becoming more self-aware and more self-regulatory to figure out what's not working, why is it not working? And what are our options for improving the situation, not the person? So thinking about it this way kind of solves the issue of blaming ourselves, right? We're not good enough, right? Or blaming the other person, right? They're, they're, they're not thinking the way they need to be thinking. If they would just get with the program, right? There's something fundamentally wrong with them as a person, right? We no longer think of the person being the problem. Now we can open ourselves up to the possibilities of what's really causing the, the thing that's not working. And, and how do we fix that thing that's not working, right? Um, and one of the things that, that that might be contributing to something not working is is a, a fundamentally different way of thinking. And and 
we might think very different than someone we're trying to work with. But instead of trying to change how we think or how the other person thinks, right, we can open ourselves up to focusing on the real issue. What is it we really want from this situation? And and we can look for the possible solutions for for um, solving whatever that problem is, right? Because let's face it, we're we're not likely to change how any of us fundamentally think. And, and this is one of the problems I have with the political world right now, which we won't get into. But I think this happens on all of these different levels, not just our interpersonal, but even and our intrapersonal, but even on the larger scale in our culture, this has a profound effect. We're all trying to um, fix each other, how we're thinking. If we would just think right, if we would just do the right thing, if we would just be basically a better person, a different person, our personhood is under attack, which is why we often don't listen to each other, right? But the key is to agree on what might work, right? What's in the best interest of, of each, pe- each of the people or, or what's, what's in my best interest and how do I start working with someone else toward that end in, in a way that's respecting what they see as their, what's in their best interest, right? I, 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 I can't claim to know everything, but I can know what works for me and I can work respectfully with somebody else who can, they're, 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 uh, they're doing their part to represent themselves, right? And then we can seek we can seek ways to move towards what will work best. Right. So often we, we get hung up on what are the differences? How are we thinking differently? We we want to change a person. Sometimes that person is us and sometimes it's the it's the someone else, right? There, there's so much more I can I can feel myself wanting to go on rabbit trails here. Um, why we get so hung up at this particular point, but we'll put that on a shelf because I I do want to try to move into the practical. Right when we notice how we feel, the questions we can then ask ourselves when it's no longer about how we are perceived because we're working along the premise of acceptance, right? Because that's often what happens. Well, I want to be seen this way as this ideal person, whether it's I want to see myself that way, or I want the other people in the situation to see me that way. If we are no longer motivated by that premise, that I need to work towards acceptance, if we bring into the situation acceptance. If we say, I, I'm okay. I'm okay as a person. They're okay as a person, right? But something in the situation simply isn't working for for me or for them or for all of us, right? Particularly for me. I, I want to find something that works for me. Right? I remember when I first started working in the corporate world and I remember being late one day and and I was really young, and I was still kind of caught up in the swirl of of emotions and and all these things that were triggered in me, like ah, oh, right, I've got to I've got to prove how sorry I feel for being so late, right? There, there was it was the morning where there was probably more traffic than I'd expected, and um, I'd probably left a little bit later than I had planned, and so I was feeling I was feeling that that guilt that comes from the oh crap, I could have made better choices, right? Next time I'll, I'll think about the traffic that might be on the roads and, and I will you know, work not to get distracted and, and I'll leave on time, right? And, and guilt works this way. Guilt is always around a specific 
action, right? What specific thing can we become aware of and do differently next time, right? That's guilt. It says, here's a behavior, here's an option for changing that behavior to have a different outcome. That's, that's what guilt is, right? But I, I was feeling so much more than guilt, right? I was, in my head, I was predicting how irritated my boss and my coworkers might be. You know, I was beating myself up for not accurately predicting the amount of traffic on the road as if I could or should know all the things in all the world, right? I was telling myself how stupid and irresponsible I was. And I was responding to all of these emotions by by concocting my entrance, right? I would make it known how horrible the traffic was and how awful I felt for being late. And I would throw myself at their mercy, <laughs> right? All, all of these thoughts and their corresponding feelings of anxiety and fear, right? It was all felt in my body. I was, I was shaky. I was sweaty. My heart was beating really fast and loud and and I wasn't seeing clearly, right? I've often told people that if they want to gauge how stressed I am or have been over the course of a few days or whatever, they simply have to ask me, when is the last time I noticed the sky? Right? When we, come, when we become stressed, we, we kind of get this tunnel vision, right? Our, our vision kind of closes in on itself. We, we have a hard time seeing anything beyond what is directly in front of us. And, and even what we do see is difficult to kind of focus on and interpret rightly, right? Because we're, we're kind of just focused on all the overwhelming stimulus inside of our bodies and our brains, right? In the midst of all of this, a surprising thought occurred to me, though, on this particular day. Um, I think I had been becoming more aware of, of all of the ways that my emotions kind of took me for a ride, right? You know, but I th- the thought occurred to me that what if, what if nobody really cared about my morning, <laughs> right? Or about the traffic or about how badly I felt. And I started to consider what they might be thinking about in their moment when I walked in the door, right? Maybe they're thinking about the meeting that was scheduled for later in the morning and whether we were all prepared for it. And if I would be, you know, um, mentally ready to show up, right, for that. Um, Maybe one of them had a horrible morning and hit traffic and was anxious about whatever they were anxious about. And, And so I started to focus more on the specific situation, you know, I was starting to focus on, okay, what did I want for that morning? How did I want it to play out? And I had some ability to create that, you know, allow that to happen, or at least get out of the way of it not happening, right? Was I ready for the meeting? What did I need to do right away when I got to my desk in order to, you know, maybe I couldn't do everything I had planned on doing? What were the most important things? I could focus on that, right? Was there, was there anything that I needed to, to pull up right away? I wouldn't have time to go through all my emails, for instance, but I would have time to focus on the things that I needed for that meeting, right? How can I help everyone else feel more confident that we were all ready and, and, and nobody was distracted by all the swirl of other, other anxieties or anything else that had happened, right? Things that, are, that might have been outside of our, our immediate control, right? One of the key factors in self-awareness is noticing what our minds are doing and what our bodies are doing. How are we, what are we thinking? What's, what is our physiological, what is our physical body feeling, right? How, how focused are we? 
you know, if, if someone were to, to walk up to us in, in a moment and ask us some random question, would we be able to respond kindly? <laughs> That's usually a pretty good indication, right? If our emotions are taking over and we're kind of just caught up in that swirl, or if we are kind of um, more in an obser- observational space, right? Are we feeling a, an expansion in our body, right? Like we walk on a warm, sunny day with the big puffy clouds and a soft breeze and ah, we're taking deep breaths and we just feel physically and mentally alert and alive and and able to, to be present, right? Are we being present? Or, right, are we are we feeling contracted, holding ourselves tight, right? Like when an Arctic wind is threatening to cut straight through us, right? Are we, are we thinking about all the possible responses of someone else and how we might respond in turn? Or are we working to define the most agreeable outcome and considering options to get there, right? These are things that we can observe about ourselves. Where am I right now? We have this, as humans, we have this this amazing ability to observe ourselves and we need to take advantage of that right are, are we are we driven by how we want or expect to feel in a situation or are we able to step back regardless of how we're feeling and and really think about what is it we want what do we hope for in this situation right i have so many examples in in my life from my own experiences of, of how i have kind of felt even because of how I wanted to feel, like how I, ways I responded in situations because of how I wanted to feel, how I expected to feel, right? Maybe I, you know, long after I had already seen the clues of somebody, you know, having those low levels of disrespect and not wanting me in a conversation, I, I continued pursuing the conversation because I wanted to feel accepted by that person, right? I can think of those times where, I was in a swirl of what I wanted to feel like and I kept myself moving in a direction that really wasn't in my best interest, right? I've pushed myself beyond my own physical limits in order to prove that I could do something that really didn't need to be done. Why? Because I want to see myself as the super person who can do anything? Maybe. (laughs) Why? Why? Why do I need to feel that way about myself, right? Whether I'm accepted or you know, whether I feel this need to be accepted by myself or by another person, right? There are times when we push ourselves to things or continue on a course that really isn't the best for us simply because we expect or feel we need to feel a certain way, right? I know I've given up too soon in a situation because I because I didn't want to look like a fool or because I was afraid of failing. Right? There there have been times when I have remained a silent bystander when when someone in the area was being minimized, right? And I I stayed silent out of my own fear of of causing a scene or being retaliated against. Right? The, our emotions if we're not observing them, being able to non-judgmentally observe our emotions indicates that we are present. So even if I had done all these things, even if I had chosen to be quiet, or even if I had um, started to give up on something or starting to push myself too far, right? I might have still chosen to do those things, but was I able to stand back 
and observe the why? Was I able to stand back and, and, and observe the emotions that I was feeling and my motivations for moving in those directions, right? There are times where we, we just expect or want to feel a certain way. And so we continue a course of action. That's not being present, right? There have been times when you know, one of my my kids has been hurt and I have felt nothing, right? And we're like, what kind of a mother am I? Right? And in the moment, I, I started to see myself as this unfeeling monster, right? And, and in the shame of that sensation, right? I, I almost snapped at the, at the child to stop crying because I didn't want to see myself as unfeeling. Clearly, how I felt was dictating how I needed to respond. It was ridiculous, Right? I wanted to say, you're okay. And I caught myself because I had been told those messages. I'm like, you know, that's not the mom I want to be. Right? Their intense emotion seemed to reveal some deficit in me, but I had to tell myself that that's not true. A feeling, right? I, I, I had already been doing a lot of processing around this idea of emotions being messengers. So I was able to see like, oh, just because I'm not feeling as intensely as they are doesn't mean that their emotions aren't valid and my lack of emotions aren't valid. It is just is they're just messengers. They don't indicate the value or worth of either of us and they don't indicate the absolute response that's necessary. I didn't need to respond with the same intensity that the child was giving me emotionally, but I also didn't need to respond with the lack of any feeling that I had. Because what they what, what people need in those moments is empathy, right? And, and, and here's something I want to say a little bit about empathy, right? Contrary to popular belief, empathy is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's a response. And it's a response that we can get to by imagining how the other person is feeling or imagining how we might feel in their situation, right? Sometimes my best way to get to empathy is not by feeling anything. It's just saying, okay, what response do they need to experience? Because empathy, what makes empathy empathy <laughs> is that it's about the other person. It's not about me. And then it's no, it's no longer empathy. Now it's just me trying to satisfy whatever emotion I'm conjuring up. And that's not empathy. Empathy is always about understanding how the other person needs to experience a response in that moment. And we can then, if, if we can get to that place, then we can get to a place where we see our own emotions a bit the same way, right? We can become aware of our feelings, right? They're just like bubbles that float to the surface, released by whatever our bones have stored in, in connection to something that just occurred, right? Based on our, our experiences or our neurology or our personal sensibilities, we can observe our emotional responses without judging. We can just make assessments like, wow, that seems like an intense emotion. And we can ask questions like, why do I feel so strongly about this? Or why do I feel nothing about this when I would really expect to feel strongly about this? We can ask ourselves those questions. One thing that became key to me at some point was that not everyone, in fact, rarely do people ever respond the exact same way to the exact same stimulus, right? 
Sometimes it'll be in a different, with a different intensity. Sometimes it'll be with a different interpretation of the stimulus. And this, this just became a fascination of mine. I would just observe how people responded to things. And I would observe how I responded to things. And, and I wondered, right, because I was always, I was on this quest to become my ideal self, right? Again, whatever that meant, <laughs> thinking that there was such a thing as an ideal self, which is the opposite of thinking you're worth 100% right now. You don't have to get anything more than what you already have or what you already are doing to be worth 100% human. And that goes for everybody. But I had in my head, no, I've got to be this ideal. Per- there is no ideal person. And I, 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 I found myself wondering, what is the right emotional response in any given situation? And I, I found that there just is, there is no universally correct emotional response to a thing. You know, at best, there's a desired outcome, and that outcome is rarely based on emotions. Emotions are these responses that come up inside of us, but they're not, they don't dictate or they, they, they don't need to dictate how we express ourselves externally, and they don't need to dictate how we judge ourselves internally. Right? And, and I'm not the only person who's landed on this idea that outcomes aren't based on emotions. Right? There's a whole school of thought that undermines emotions entirely. Right? The thought there is that emotions are contrary to logic, and logic is more necessary in navigating our modern world. <laughs> and I'm going to tackle this idea in the next episode. And, and spoiler alert... I'm a big fan of emotions. I'm, I'm an emotional person and I'm an emotionally expressive person. And even, even on those days when I'm not, like there are days I think, oh my goodness, I feel nothing. But how am I going to respond even though I feel nothing? And I'd like to think that there might be an appropriate response in certain situations, right? A child just scratched their knee falling off of a bicycle. I would think that there is something akin to a universal response. Now, there might be three or four different people in that situation. One of them runs for a Band-Aid. One of them runs to give the kid a hug or just to sit by the child and be with them, whatever that means. I have some children who, if you came to hug them right away, they'd be like, <laughs> they'd scream louder, right? So knowing what experience, how, how that person, that, that they need the response, right? The experienced response, right? So it's, it's not to say there's one right answer in how to respond, but there is perhaps a moving toward the outcome. And we might have you know, the outcome being a clean, a clean wound, the outcome being a consoled person. And right, there are, there are outcomes, perhaps, even in any situation. But we don't need our emotions to dictate that. But our emotions are incredible tools and they are valuable. They are not obsolete simply because we live in a modern world. And so I want to talk about that next time. Um, because I, I, I'm hoping, here, I guess here's, here's what I'm hoping, that, that you, that we all, right, myself included, that we all will see ourselves more clearly. 
that we can acknowledge our emotions as as they arise and observe them just as they are. And, And in them, regardless if you consider them too little, too much, just right, right, that you're able to keep your thoughts about your emotions separate from your thoughts about yourself. Because regardless of our emotions, we are all just right, right? You're just right, just as you are. So go have a just right day full of non-judgmental observation. <laughs> and, and may you also notice the color of the sky and the shape of the clouds and all the other beauty that you encounter throughout your day. So until we chat again, have a good one. Bye-bye.